We apologize for the quality of this recording due to technical issues experienced during the service. We were forced to use alternative recording methods. The sermon text reading for this week comes from Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Who were commended to this church that the book of Hebrews was written to, and were commended to us as great examples of
different category on the heels of this. It says, this is how you do it. This is how you live as a person of faith. And it gives us some things to think about, things that are encouraging and also a little daunting. Chapter 12, verse 1 says this, and listen to it again now with the context in place, remembering what you do about chapter 11. Therefore, and we always have to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? It means that it is tied to what has gone before. That you can't understand what is being said now if you don't understand the argument of what has gone on previously. Therefore, in the face of this great cloud of witnesses, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There, there are two metaphors and ideas that are going on in this verse. Number one, the language is rich, rich in uh, sports talk. And usually this is a great place and a happy place for a preacher like myself to jump off and, and start talking about sports. Despite my size, I was an ordinary athlete. I played high school football, and, and believe it or not, I was a sprinter. Very shocking. <laughs> and so there were days when I played before crowds, and but most of my experience with crowds and an audience has has come from the pulpit and and the lectern. And some of us are comfortable in front of crowds with an audience, and and some of us are not. About the fourth sermon I ever preached. It was at a fairly large church in Illinois. Um, I was a young man, and we were doing a series on the book of Proverbs. And uh, it, it was an evening service, and it was a fairly casual service. And, and my boss, for some reason that I cannot remember, was going around the auditorium with a microphone. And I was about ready to get up to preach. And, and he had a guy stand up, and and asked him a couple of questions and and then he turned to me and I was sitting up on the pulpit or up on the platform and he said oh, by the way Dave I don't want you to be nervous this is the guy that translated the book of Proverbs for the NIV Bible and I thought thanks boss I'm about ready to get up and preach you know and and this guy translated it from the original Hebrew and then a couple of years later, I was there and I was called upon to preach a sermon in, in the book of Revelation. And uh, so I did my study and I did a lot of work and I had a commentary on my desk written by a guy that I knew pretty well. I called him a friend. His name is Greg Beale. And he has written the definitive commentary on the book of Revelation. It is 1,680 pages long. I'm not lying. One guy wrote a book that big on one book of the Bible. And it is widely now accepted as the definitive commentary on the book of Revelation. And he was in the front row. 
when I preached my sermon on Revelation. Really and truly, I can do without that kind of audience. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is true. And they both made nice comments, like, you've got a great personality, son. <laughs> when I concluded. But we're talking about faith here. And this cloud of witnesses that is being referred to in chapter 12, verse 1, are the, what we would call the heroes of the faith, the ones who had earthly great victory, and they are also the nameless ones who died in anonymity for their faith. These are the ones who are the audience for us. And that's an extraordinary audience. And I'll tell you why it's an extraordinary audience. Not because they were all victorious, but their race is done. They are no longer running. They are at the goal. They are with Christ. They have finished the race. And so the writer of Hebrews if you can imagine that picture, is telling the original audience here and us, I want you to understand who is watching you run the race. The race that God has set before you is being watched by those who have successfully completed it. Some in great earthly victory and some in great earthly defeat. Now, we don't pray to these people. They don't intercede for us. But it is, it is a picture that Scripture draws of the fact that we stand before an audience who has completed the course before us. Some with great earthly victory and some with what we would call great earthly defeat. And so how should the race be run? Two pieces of command here. First, lay aside every weight that would hinder you. Now that seems very commonplace, doesn't it? And it is, and it's very practical. And perhaps we've heard this text preached before. I'm not going to run a marathon with a 50-pound sack of concrete on my shoulder. It doesn't make sense. The Roman Empire was in place now. They were the inventors of the Olympic Games. And the participant during the Roman Games participated naked. They ran their races. They wrestled their matches. They did all of these things without the slightest bit of encumbrance. And they laid it aside. Now, weight is not necessarily a bad thing. You see what I'm saying? We're going to get to the bad thing in a moment. There are all kinds of things that can keep us from running the race more efficiently. Perhaps job. Perhaps a relationship. Perhaps a reputation. Perhaps any number of things that we need to examine which could hinder us from running the race more efficiently. 
It may not be a bad thing. All of those things have their place. All of those things may be good. And what may be a weight or a burden to you is not necessarily a weight or a burden to me. And vice versa. But what the text does is call believers to an individual self-examination. Is there a weight that would hinder me from running more effectively? The second thing is to divest ourselves of the sin which entangles us so closely. And I don't want to be funny or silly here. I have some experience with sin. And you may too. And it, and it really is like that oil puddle you step in that gets on your jeans that you can't get out. <clears throat> and the more you step in it, the higher up your jeans it climbs. And it entangles. And it weighs us down. And what sin you may wrestle with and what sin I wrestle with may be entirely different. We often think most clearly about individual things that I do. But do we think of jealousy and, and gossip or pride or neglect? Again, the text says, examine yourselves to see if there is something that is hindering you from running effectively. Now, at this point in my study, I stopped. And, and all I can do is speak for myself. You see, I can't speak for you guys. I can just share with you my experience and what goes through the rat trails of my little brain. And I realize that most often I don't wake up in the morning and even think about the fact that I'm running a race. To be really frank, I don't. I don't, I don't think about the prize, so to speak, that waits for me in the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of time when my race is run. And consequently, I don't think about the weight that should be put off and the sin that so easily ensnares me. I don't think about those things because I don't think of myself as running toward the prize. But the race has been set before me, and it's not a short race. It's shorter for some than it is for others. And I don't want to dwell too long on the sports metaphor, but it refers to a marathon. There's a start and there's a finish, and there are some who don't finish. But God has set this before me. Now, for some of us, the, the race course may be flat or, or even slightly downhill. And for some of us, the years that we run it may be brief. And for some of us, the number of years we run it 
may be very long. But it's the race course that God has designed for us. And we need to acknowledge that we're in it. And that it takes endurance to finish the course. So there's a period of self-examination. And, and it's helpful, I think, to remember there are those who have completed it before us. And the level of the playing field is that the prize was the same for all. Victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're cheering us on. And then we come to verse 2. How do we continue? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, the ante just went up. The crowd is no longer the guy that wrote the 1,600-page book. The crowd is no longer those who had great earthly victories and those who had great earthly defeats, but all finished in faith. The one who is watching is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting here that Jesus is referred to with his human name, Jesus. That's not accidental in the text. They don't use his titles. The writer doesn't. He doesn't say, keep your eyes looking to the Messiah, looking to the Christ, looking to the King, looking to the high priest. In fact, he says, look to Jesus. The most identifiable and relatable thing about Jesus to us is that he was fully human while being fully divine. And he set about running the race God put before him. And Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now this is a very important thing for us to understand. Very elemental. When I was young, I didn't consciously think it, but practically I did. That everyone was born with a quart of faith. And it just depended on where they poured their faith. And that's what mattered, see? And my job was to get somebody to pour their quart of faith into Jesus. Man is not born with faith. Jesus created faith. He is the founder, the author, the creator of faith. Not only did he create it, he perfected it. He perfected it in practice, personally, and he's perfecting it in us. So when we say we need to be living as people of faith like those in chapter 11, what it means is we need to be depending on the one who created faith, gave it to me, and is in the process of perfecting it in me. That's why it's so absurd to say, if only I had more faith, X, Y, and Z would happen. If I had more faith, my life would be perfect. It is just a lie. Faith is something God created through Christ and gave to us. 
It's not my strength that's going to keep me enduring to the end. It is the faith that Christ gives me that will keep me enduring to the end. So I better keep my eyes on the author and perfecter of that faith. And it continues to speak about the race Jesus ran. The rest of this verse. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, I gotta, I gotta tell you, that's a strange, strange thing. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. What joy could Jesus be looking forward to that would make going to the cross worthwhile? That's really the question. That's really the question. There are a lot of answers I will give you to. The first is, at the end of Jesus' race, he knows he's going to be reunited with his Father at his rightful place at the right hand of his Father, restored to the position that he gave up to become human. That would be a joy. And then the second joy is that Christ will bring those with him that he died for. That he granted faith and the ability to endure the race. Those are the two big reasons that Jesus said it is a joy for me to go to the cross. If we dwell on that, it is much easier to keep our eyes on him. He despised the shame and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. His race is done. And he is watching us. Not watching us to see if we fall or to see if we stumble or to see if we He's saying, come for the prize. I've run it. These people before you have run it. Come be with me. And I do want to say this. If you're here today and you don't yet have a relationship with God through Christ, I'd be the happiest man in the world to talk to you about how that can occur. I really mean that. I don't relate to the great heroes of faith. And I don't yet relate to those who die for the faith. But I am the one who is running the race. And the faith that I run with is a gift from God through Christ. And what is required of me is endurance to the end. And the way that that will be accomplished is if I keep my eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of my faith to the end. Let's pray. Father, these genuinely are um, not merely familiar, but deeply profound.
And yet, I go to bed at night and I wake up in the morning without even remembering I'm in a race. I pray, Father, that you would quicken our minds and our hearts. That we would examine ourselves to see what weight and what sin can be set aside so that we will not be encumbered to finish the course. In Christ's name, amen.